scripture passage this morning, this day, is from Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, uh, the model prayer from Jesus, and here's what Jesus says in it. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our focal verse, focus verse today is uh, verse 13, when Jesus says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or deliver us from the evil one. Uh, different uh, Bible translations will have uh, either evil, delivers from evil, or delivers from the evil one. Um, and that depends uh, for several reasons. Uh, some of the earliest manuscripts do not contain uh, the evil one. Uh, and uh, so that's why some translations differ a little bit on uh, what uh, Jesus is focused on in there. But the highlight is that God will deliver us out of temptation. Um, and that's what I want us to really think about today. As we think about what what is temptation, I wanted to have a, a general introduction to temptation. Not that you need a primer on it, because we all live with temptation, don't we? From the time we were young, we've lived with temptation. We are told to not do something, and we're tempted to do it. Uh, we're told to do something, we're tempted not to do it. Uh, by those in authority, parents perhaps. Uh, so we know what temptation is. Uh, but I wanted to, to think biblically with you this morning, and really to, to let this prepare, we're going to spend a couple of more Sundays, a couple of more times together, uh, around the topic of temptation, and then we're going to return back to the, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to focus on this today. Uh, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. You know, Augustine was uh, probably one of the most famous, maybe the most famous church theologian of all time, lived back in the 400s. Uh, he says this about this particular prayer. He says, the prayer is not that we should not be tempted, but that we should not be brought or led into temptation. Do you hear the difference? It's not God who tempts us. God will allow certain temptation, but what the prayer is, is that we are asking God to give us strength so that we would not fall into the temptation. We will come face to face with different temptations, and we're going to talk about some of the besetting sins in weeks to come that we might struggle with, that you might struggle with, the temptation in your life that recurs again and again and again, and sometimes you may have experienced victory over that temptation, and other times you may have experienced a falling into that temptation, being under its influence and stepping into it and then suffering the consequences of that. So we're going to spend the next two or three times together really focused around temptation and what is it that God wants to do in the face of temptation and how do we in his strength rise up above it. So when Jesus teaches us to pray that we would not fall into temptation and based on Augustine that, that preposition into is the really important part of the prayer. 
We might think about Jesus and the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. You you know that uh, at the end of Jesus' life, right as he was uh, finally arrested, remember uh, Judas Iscariot led the armed uh, group into the Garden of Gethsemane where he, Jesus, and the disciples were praying. And uh, it was that night that Jesus then was arrested and uh, was taken away and finally executed. It was in that moment when Jesus uh, goes into the garden and then with James, Peter, and John, he goes a little farther still into the garden and he begins to pray that, that, that very deep and anguishing prayer that if this cup could pass from me, Lord God, Father in heaven, may it pass from me, yet not my will be done. You remember that three different times he comes back and he finds the disciples asleep. And one time he responds to them this way. He says, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit, I think he's referring to the, the, not the Holy Spirit, but the human spirit. The spirit in you is willing. When, when God has, has bought you with the blood of Jesus and brought you into his life and family as an adopted son or daughter, he gives you the spirit that's willing to respond to him, yet the flesh is weak. There, there's a part of us, there's a, a, a nature in us that, that doesn't always respond rightly to God and do all that we should do. And that is the part that wants to lead us into Temptation. So why is temptation even a thing? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why does God allow temptation in our lives? Because it troubles us, doesn't it? It constantly is there with us. The word used here, temptation, is, is a word that also can be translated as trial or testing. And there's a, a, a way that, that God will come and, and He will allow testing of our lives because testing as in any field of life, whether it's in, in uh, academics, uh, we've just celebrated graduations with a lot of students, and uh, we know that toward the end of most educational pursuits, there's some sort of testing that comes at the end of that. How many of you love final exams, right? It's a way of testing what, what information you've been able to retain, how have you been developed over the course of a semester or a, a term, and that's a part of testing. Annually, our church building is used for firefighters of Southern Bridge Fire District. They come here, and part of what it is, it's, it's a hiring process for, for new firefighters, but it's also a way for those in the fire department to test for promotion, to see where they are, to see if the things that they've been studying and preparing for, in addition to the experiences now that they have accumulated, if they're prepared for additional responsibility. So testing helps us understand a lot of things. James chapter 1, we're going to turn there on another time together, uh, but uh, James helps us understand this word testing uh, because uh, a similar word, the same root word is used when he describes temptation. So temptation and testing is are, are words that uh, kind of go simultaneously together. And testing, uh, the testing that God allows, when it, it provides the, the possibility for turning our heart away from God, that's when testing becomes temptation. You know what I'm talking about, when your heart can be turned away from God. Why is temptation even a thing? Uh, I, I've come up and noted just four things today that I, just in this general introduction to temptation about why temptation is even a thing in our lives. Why does God allow it? Uh, one is because of Satan. Satan. And because Satan is real. 
The Bible is very clear about the reality of a personal uh, presence of evil in the world, that Satan is real, and he is raging. The Bible describes Satan that, that he is raging against the rule of God and the cosmos. That, that is what Satan is about. And that rage against God's rule in the cosmos expresses itself by trying to distort the good of God in the world and in your life. Does that make sense to you? That, the, that Satan, the very real Satan, is raging against the rule of God in the cosmos, and it expresses, that rage expresses itself as he tries to distort the good of God in the world and in your life. That, that's what the Bible, when the theologians talk about the fall, that, that's what we're talking about. When sin entered the world, entered into human relationship and our ability, it distorts our ability to relate to God rightly, and sin distorts our ability to relate to one another. And so when Jesus comes along, he says, he's asked, what, what is the greatest commandment out of, what is the most important thing that I should be focused on? You know what his answer was? It's twofold. Number one is to love God and to love one another. It's a, a reversal of the distortion of what Satan brings into the world. The Bible describes Satan this way, the devil this way, says that he is like a roaring lion. And he's seeking someone whom he might devour. It's a pretty stark image, right? He doesn't talk about it being a little a little kitten that's nice and cuddly and you like to hold and you pet it, stroke it because it's so soft. That's not the way the devil is described in the Bible. He's described as one who is roaring like a lion. He's prowling around like a hungry lion looking for his next meal. Now that's not intended to scare us because when we have the armor of Christ over us, we stand in the strength of Christ. But it's to sober us with the reality that temptation comes to our life in part because Satan is real and his rage against the rule of God expresses itself by distorting the good of God in the world and in your life. I hope this is making sense to you. So his goal, Satan's goal, is to exacerbate the effects of sin in the world. His goal, his only goal, is to exacerbate the effect of sin in the world. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that the thief, talking about Satan, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his purpose. It's to draw your heart and your life away from God. So that you will find yourself, in relation to God, you'll find yourself as if you're in a pit, deep, dark, and despairing. That's where Satan wants you to be. That's why he brings temptation in your life. And temptation can be all sorts of things. Some examples might be in the structures of our world. We're focused on the reality of, of evil in, in structures of the world. Structures that are intended to be for good. Right? Structures that are intended to be for good, whether it's government or education or whatever it might be, structures that are intended to be for good can become harbingers of evil. It doesn't mean everything about them is evil. Uh, one example is the home, a structure and a home and a family that God has intended and ordained to be something uh, designed for good. And, and the whole life does good. But when the devil arrives at times, he can distort and lead uh, that out of distortion. The thing, the home that was intended for good can become a harbinger of domestic violence. It can become a place where divorce happens and great pain settles in. 
You see, something God intended for good, and often does good, can be distorted by the devil, and great pain, chaos, and destruction can result. Evil can emerge. Law enforcement, I'm a great law enforcement supporter. I'm so thankful for the law enforcement structures around us. And law enforcement uh, is, is designed for good and does so much good for us. But the devil can come and distort it. It can lead to uneven treatments in different kinds of people, among different types of communities. And we're seeing that on display around our country and in many places around the world. People are calling for change in that arena. And some of that change is likely to be good and benefit many to restore the good of what law enforcement can become. That's just an example, a couple of examples of structural things that God has designed for good and often does good. But when the devil sneaks in, he distorts that and he can break off part of it and allow it to become a harbinger for things that God never intended for it to be. That's a result of, of the fall in our world. Individuals. We also know the reality of Satan. We, we've talked about how he comes and distorts the truth of God. He, he will whisper lies into our heart and our ear. He wants to distract us from the things that, that draw our attention to God. That's why workaholism is such a, a, a devastating reality in our world today. Because it consumes our living and there's no energy or light left over to give ourselves into the hands of God. And it's so devastating. The devil wants to come individually in your life and to distort your, your understanding of God's truth, to uh, distract you away from time with God, and to destroy and to undermine that relationship with God. That, that's what the Garden of Eden helps us understand. The first three chapters of the book of Genesis, go back and read it this week. If you want to hear and see how the, 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 the Satan comes and interacts with Adam and Eve and the way he talks to them and, and distorts truth and, and distracts them from uh, their, their relationship with God and then wants to destroy that. Satan is one, one aspect of why, why temptation is even a thing. Well, here's another reason that temptation is a thing is because of our sinful nature. Because you and I, the Bible tells us, have a sinful nature. Each one of us, it's in each one of us. We've already talked about how it, it drives a wedge between us and God, and only Jesus can come and, and remove that wedge so that you can be in full and right relationship with the living God. But you know what? Our sinful nature, it, 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 it means that you and I bear a personal responsibility for our personal choices. You bear a personal responsibility for the choices that you make. Certainly there could be other things that impinge on that, other factors that contribute to the choices that you make, but we live in a day and age that wants to deflect personal responsibility, I think. Uh, we, we want to push uh, the blame off more than just explaining why things happen, but trying to excuse them off on, on other things that I, I think removes the, the personal sense of guilt before the Lord and before others. And it mars our ability to have relationships that are healthy and deep and loving and real. So, you know, we cannot pass the blame for our decision-making. You cannot pass the blame for your decision-making on saying the devil made me do it because that's not the only reason that temptation is in the world. Temptation comes out of the, the inner life that you live. 
James chapter 1, we're going to look at that in a future week, as I said, but has this really uh, descriptive picture for how sin, out of our sinful nature, we, we are enticed by something, we're drug away by it, we, we end up taking it into our lives, and it gives birth out of us to sinful activity in our lives. So the sinful nature, it leads to evil consequences if, if we allow it to lead us we will fall into temptation. Does that make sense to you? You see, we here's some examples. We might have a desire for control over situations or people. Well, a, a big issue of a desire in the human heart is one for power often. It expresses itself in a lot of different ways. We, we want to have power over people. And, and that, that's where we find so much the uh, issues of oppression and attitudes of racism and, and the treatment that comes from that. It comes from a desire for power over other people. We also can have another example is a desire to look good in front of other people. And man, that, that leads to uh, so many lies about our accomplishment, embellishing our resumes um, and uh, our status in front of others. Uh, one, one thing you hear a lot about these days is sort of this virtue signaling. You know, I, I have to chime in and, and let people know just how good and, and involved I am on a particular issue because I don't want other people to think I'm not a good person. I don't want, I'm overly concerned about their, their uh, opinion of me. But that, that's, that's all part and examples of how sinful nature of reality. So why, why this temptation of thing anyway? This is a question I ask. I don't know about you, but one is because Satan is real. And his rage against the rule of God is designing to put right in the crosshairs everything that God intends for good in the world. And that affects structures, it affects individual lives. And then you and I have a sinful nature that, that wants to take us and move us in, and to walk a life that's out of step with that which is important to God. And that's the whole idea of walking with Jesus, is that we learn to walk in step with what God designs for us. There's two more ideas about why, I think big ideas, about why temptation is something anyway. Uh, it's because it, it allows a soul spotlight on you. It allows God to, to put a spotlight on your inner life. Uh, it, it allows uh, what, what is deeply rooted in you to be revealed out of you. What truly has your heart and attention at this time. Because our lives are never like a constant upward trajectory, are they, with God? Our lives and our spiritual life tends to be more meandering. Uh, there's times of accelerated growth, times of plateau, times it feels that, that we are kind of regressing in our, our relationship, our spiritual life with the Lord. And so God wants uh, to, at times through temptation, He allows it to be a spotlight on your soul. To allow you to be in touch with the things maybe that have begun to captivate your heart. And sometimes by identifying the very temptations of your life, you begin to see the things in your life that have become so attractive that are vying for your attention, vying for your love, vying for your affection, vying for your time, vying for your money. And, and if we're not careful, we're not paying attention, then God can begin to slowly fade into the background because we've allowed this temptation to overtake us if we've fallen into it. Who do you think in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, when the disciples were there with Jesus, who do you think uh, learned something in the Garden? Do you think Jesus learned something about the disciples? 
Or do you think the disciples learned something about themselves? Of course, I, I think the disciples learned a whole lot about themselves because it was after that moment, remember it was uh, in the failures that happened in the, the, the hours and days following that, that allowed Peter, James, and John particularly to be seen later on as healed and whole and powerful in the Lord because they had learned to be strengthened out of and because of these temptations. Tim Keller, pastor of New York City, uh, he says this about temptation and about how God shines a spotlight on the soul. He says that temptation, in, in the sense of being tried and tested, is not only inevitable, but desirable. The Bible talks of suffering and difficulty as a furnace in which many impurities of soul are burned off, and we come to greater self-knowledge, humility, durability, faith, and love. However, to enter into temptation, as Jesus termed it, is to entertain and consider the prospect of giving into sin. So why does temptation, why is it why is it around anyway? Satan is real, and he's raging against the rule of God, and wants to distort all of the good that God intends in the world and in your life. Uh, we have sinful nature, and we are bent to walk out of step with the things of God. And so Jesus comes, wants to take us by the hand and lead us forward so that we might walk in step with Him. And then uh, through temptation, through times of testing, we, uh, we, if we pay attention, it allows God to shine a spotlight on our soul and helps to reveal the things that, that make us self-aware about where our hearts, what our hearts are really pursuing and are chasing after. And then finally, why, why is temptation a thing anyway? It's because uh, through temptation, it allows strength to be known in our faith life. One of my uh, current favorite shows is on the History Channel. It's called A Fortune and Fire. I've talked to you about it before. And uh, one of the things, uh, it's a competition between bladesmiths. The, these are uh, craftsmen. They're, they're blacksmiths that come and they, they create out of steel. They'll create knives and swords and uh, different kinds of ancient weapons. It's really fun and, and to watch. But well, after their, their knives or whatever their instrument is, after it's been crafted, it's given to a, a particular judges and they put it through a series of tests. And, and it's tested for sharpness, it's tested for uh, quality, and then it's effective use for what it's intended to be, but it's also tested for strength, and it's often hammered against uh, things that are really hard, and then they look at it, they look at the edge of the blade, and they examine whether the blade is warped or bent, are there any chips in it, are there any cracks that have emerged through the steel, it's really a fun show, it's a test of strength, and part of what God does in our lives through temptation is it allows your faith life to be strengthened. It allows you to uh, cry out and to reach out for God. Remember after Jesus' temptation at the very beginning of his ministry? He went out for 40 days, the Bible says, and was tempted by the devil during that time. At the very end of it, the Gospel writer says that angels came and tended to him. You see, strength in our faith life is a, a way of allowing God to become a refuge for us so that through our seasons of temptation, through the moments when you come face to face with temptation, you are allowing God to, uh, to be your refuge and your strength. Here's what the scripture says, a few verses out of Psalm 91. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High 
will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. This is what God desires in the midst of our temptation, is that you and I would crawl up under the protective shelter of His wings, and in the shadow of His presence, you would find your strength, that God for you would become a tower of refuge, a mighty strength and a fixed point in your life, where He in you gives you strength beyond what you have. God doesn't want you to wrestle alone in the face of temptation. He wants to wrestle with you and to give you the strength that you need, dear sister. To give you the strength that you cry out for, dear brother. That is what God desires for you. And God reminds us in Hebrews chapter 4, in speaking of Jesus, hear this and take this to heart. In describing who Jesus is, the Bible says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And so when you come to God, and you're seeking out protection from Him, and strength from Him, and you're crying out to Jesus, you're, you're crying out in the strength of one who knows what you're going through. One who's been where you are, but never fell into sin, like you and I might do occasionally. Our prayer to God is, God, help us not fall into temptation. Give us the strength of sheltering in your presence. Sheltering in the presence of God. Sheltering in the company of one who sympathizes with your weaknesses. One who is able to help you overcome the temptations of your life so that you need not fall into them time and time and time again. God wants to give you His very strength. Won't you allow Him to do that? So often we want to turn aside and we think we have to think our way through an issue or we think we just have to, to book up next time and, and, and to be stronger and to find some inner strength. That's not what God says. He says, come to me and I will give you the strength that you need. If you're wondering how you might pray, here's a simple suggestion for you. Uh, how, to be, how to pray to not be led into temptation. A few things that I have found most helpful and other writers on this topic have really helped me. With. Number one is to find regular times to be still. It is so important that you not neglect time regularly in your life to be still before God. To clear your life and your calendar so that you can be still for a few moments every day before the Lord. <laughs> it just, there's no replacing this reality when you're dealing with temptation in your life. You have to make regular time to be quiet before the Lord. And while you're quiet before Him, you need to listen. Learn to listen to the inner promptings of God's Spirit in your spirit. Learn to pay attention. Learn to recognize His voice. When somebody calls you on the telephone, there are some people in your life 
that you, you never, they never have to say their name because you immediately, when you pick up the phone, you recognize their voice, even before caller ID, you recognize the voice. Why do you recognize the voice on the other end of the phone? It's because you've spent time with them. You've learned to identify that voice with that person. And your prayer life is intended to be that way as it grows and matures over time, is that you learn to listen to the small voice of God in you, the small but strong voice of God as He would reveal things to your life. And then make note. So be still. Listen. Make note. Make mental notes. Do it on your phone. Have a notebook. But make note of the things that God begins to reveal in your inner life. Even if it's nonsensical or whatever at that moment, make a note of it. For any, as God would, would emerge promptings in your life, make a note of it. And think of it as God taking a highlighter in your life and beginning to highlight maybe some things that you need to spend some more time in prayer about. He might just be highlighting areas that you're not even aware of that are current temptations for you. So make a note. Be still. Listen. Make a note. Shelter in His presence. We've already read Psalm 91. Go back and spend some time in that. And find your strength and your protection and his leading on his good path. And finally, share with somebody else. Find somebody in your life. When you begin, when you allow God to identify the major temptations of your life today, find somebody to share that with and invite them to pray with you for those temptations. To pray for strength for you in those temptations. This is why it's so important to be connected to other people. And we're going to be moving toward helping uh, encourage small group formation in the weeks to come. Uh, and we want to invite and encourage everybody in our church to be connected to a small group ministry. And our hope in those small groups is that there would be such deep relationships formed that you would have one or more people out of that group that you could begin to share some of these deeper things in your life so that you can invite real prayer, so that you can invite the strength of God and invite people to be praying with you in these matters. That's what a church body is about. And that's what God intends and desires for you because He loves you. He loves you. God, lead us not into temptation, we pray. Deliver us from that which is evil. God, the, the reality of Satan, He's real in the world and in our lives. But we need not succumb to those temptations. God, we have a sinful nature, absolutely. Yet you've placed a new heart in us. And you're teaching us to rise above and to step around that sinful nature. And you give us the strength to identify and to move forward. Thank you for that. Thank you for the moments when even through temptation, ironically, it becomes a spotlight for our soul. And you begin to point out things in us that we need to be aware of, more aware of. And to, to ask for your strength and to begin to be more active in protecting ourselves in those areas. So God, we are so thankful for your, your willingness to listen, your willingness to help guide us. Uh, we thank you that you are a good father on this Father's Day. And because you love us so much, you sent Jesus into the world. That anyone who would believe in him, who would place their trust in him, would have forever 